Do you have the notes tonight, the right ones? Don't worry. What, what we're seeing tonight is bearing fruit that remains. Is that what you have in your hands? Okay, cool. They're on top of it, just like they were on top of my transportation last night from the... They, they really are not going to ever invite me back again. I promise you that. Right, poor guys, they, they're, work, they're working themselves to death trying to stay on top of everything. You might, if you have the other copy, just keep it for tomorrow night because that's what we'll be looking at. How was your day? Good day? Now we ate some Mexican food. What was the name of the place we went? Does anybody know? Yeah, it's good stuff, man. I, please invite me back just for that. Just for that. But, but seriously, thank, for, thank you for your hospitality. Uh, someone loaned me a car. Uh, I don't know his name. Uh, but uh, incredible. Uh, I had a slight accident. Didn't want to mention that to him. But anyway, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm praying to God he's got insurance. But anyway, I, but do thank God for just all the details and all the things you, you've done for us. Uh, I mentioned something to, uh, I think it was Alan, that what a, what a blessing it is to, to, to come to a church where you love God, you love his word, uh, you love missions. And I, and I think that we understand why we're here. Hopefully we do. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about this tonight. But uh, the reason why we are here is for others. And once we get that, then our church is transformed. Uh, and that's a real important aspect of our Christian life is to understand why we exist as a believer and as a church. Uh, it's missions. It's to get the gospel to the ends of the world. We saw the command last night, making disciples of all nations. And that's why we're here. Uh, we're not here for ourselves. <laughs> um, we are important for God. <clears throat> Our edification is important. But in the end, uh, we are here for others. And uh, it's, it's hard for us to get our, our eyes off of ourselves. Uh, and I don't want to speak badly about uh, your country. Well, it's mine too. I was born here, but now after so many years in Colombia, I'm Colombian. Uh, and I love the Colombian people and our country. But uh, the reality is you're, you're facing some, some very great challenges because of all of the entertainment and the comf comfort and, and everything is, is, is focused on us being okay. And in reality, uh, the focus has to be something else. And, uh, and that comfort comfortable life and style and everything goes against many times what Christ has for our lives. It's going to cost us to get the gospel to the ends of, uh, of the world, to the, all the nations of the world. It's going to, uh, there'll be a price to pay. And I know that we're understanding that. Uh, that's discipleship. Uh, and so we'll be talking quite a bit about that tonight, in fact. And, and we're, we're speaking tonight of bearing fruit that remains. We're not going to uh, try to tell jokes or be funny. I'm not going to bug Mark. I'm not going to say anything negative about him or funny about him. I'm going to get right to the scriptures. Is that all right? Okay. John 15. John 15, 16. This is not a part of what we consider the Great Commission, but it is a parallel text and basically is teaching us to do the very same thing. And it says, Jesus Christ is speaking, and he says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what we've lived in this conference thus far. Uh, we understand, Lord, that we do not deserve this. It's because you're, of your grace that we're here. Uh, we understand, Lord, that uh, you have commissioned us uh, to tell others about that grace. 
and how we've been saved. And you've commissioned us to preach the gospel uh, that, that saves lives, that uh, is a power, your power to transform lives, to make new creatures, to give new birth, so that they can also join with us in this mission that you've given to us. And Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the pastors uh, of other churches that have come and other believers. And Lord, I pray that you'll unite us around your word and teach us through your Holy Spirit. We love you, and we want to love your mission more and more. And I just pray that you'll be with us in what we see in your word tonight. Teach us and, uh, and use it in our lives, Lord, that, so that we will be a part of this mission more than ever before. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, John chapter 15 and, and verse 16, Jesus basically, uh, once again in his word, uh, reminds us of why we're saved. And it's to bear fruit. We have been chosen. We need to understand that that's his grace. Uh, many times we ask ourselves, why me? Uh, his grace, there's no other explanation. Others have not heard, we have. And he's ordained us. He's appointed us. He has selected us for his mission. And that mission has to do with bearing fruit. Uh, but not just any kind of fruit. This is fruit that remains. And this is what we saw last night. This is making disciples for Jesus Christ. We learned last night that the commission has to do with making disciples, not just converts. We learned that the commission is not just to take people to Christ, but to take them to Christian maturity. So the objective of discipleship is to bear fruit that remains. And when we speak of fruit that remains in this text, what it's speaking of is speaking of, of those believers that remain strong, strong, fulfilling his mission until he returns. Fruit that remains. True disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, throughout the years uh, in Colombia, our ministry, the name of our ministry in Colombia is The Bible Says, La Biblia Dice. And that's the name of all of our churches. The Bible says of Bogota, the Bible says of Cali, the Bible says of Barranquilla, Cartagena, Santa Marta. Uh, there's 40 different works all throughout the country of Colombia today. Now we have, by His grace, the Bible says of Caracas, Venezuela, and other places where churches are being formed. Uh, the Bible says is the name of our churches. But, but what we have lived uh, throughout the years is we've made disciples, uh, making disciples and bearing fruit that remains has been a learning process for us in the Bible says. It's been very challenging and the Lord has had to school us through the process. And at times, in fact, it's been frustrating because we've made mistakes along the way. And I think our intentions have been good even as we've made those mistakes. I think our hearts were right, but in, in carrying out, making disciples, we've had, it's been a learning process. And I think that that's where most of, our, of, of us are at today. That's why, in fact, we're probably here at the Discipleship Conference. We're here to learn. We're here to make some adjustments. And so that's what we've done throughout the years. We've tried to be sensitive to the Lord, His, His guiding in our lives, and we've been willing, willing to make those adjustments to be able to bear fruit that remains and more and more fruit that remains. That's our goal. That's our desire. That's our heart's desire. Now, when I say this, uh, and this is what I'm going to be sharing tonight, I'm going to be sharing some of those lessons learned, some of the things that God has taught us along the way as we have made those mistakes, made the adjustments, and now are bearing more fruit that remains for Him by His grace, by His guidance. Now, I'm not suggesting that we got it down. <laughs> We're still learning. And I've told our leaders in Colombia, we always need to be learning. And we're not talking about the commission as such. We saw that last night. That's very simple, and that's very clear. We're talking about the aspect of the making disciples, practically speaking, how is that carried out? It's a, it's a process of learning. Now, the very first thing that uh, I want to share with you tonight that is vital when we, we began to think of making disciples for Jesus Christ is we must know why we are discipling. We not, must know why we are discipling. And that, first of all, is to, is to take the believer to Christian maturity. That's the first objective. And I say that because Ephesians chapter 4, 
Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13. If you'll bring that up for me. It says, till we all come into unity, the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to the perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And we know the context. Verse 11 speaks to us about the leadership of the church, specifically the pastors, uh, pastors and teachers. That's the same individual, by the way. They are there, their place to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. But it's not a period there, uh, concluding verse 12. It continues. It says, till we all come all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto, unto a perfect man. Now that's not talking about perfection, we know that. It's speaking of maturity. Uh, we're, we're not, when we talk about biblical discipleship, we're not talking about perfection, even we that teach discipleship. We're not perfect. We, it's not like we never make mistakes or we never sin. We know that. We're talking about a perfecting a perfecting in our lives. We are being conformed to the image of the Son of God. So we grow, we continually grow. But the goal is to be that perfect man, as mature as we can possibly be in the Lord Jesus Christ, living the fullness of Christ unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that is the first objective of discipleship. Years ago, before my father passed away, some of you may have known him, uh, Clifford Clark, but he told me before he passed, he, he, one of the things, one of our discussions was about the church today. And he made the statement, you know, Paul, the problem that we have today in our churches is that we just don't have strong Christians. And when he said that, I, I, don't, I didn't quite understand what he was trying to say to me. And, and I contemplated o over the time. And I, I, knowing my father, I, I think I know what he was saying. My father had a great passion for missions. And he preached all, throughout the world concerning missions. But in, in reality, he, what he was saying was that, you know, we'll never take the gospel to, to, to the end of the, of the world to the uttermost with weak Christians, with weak churches. It's just not going to happen. That was his concern. And, and I, I began to think about what he said, and, and I thought, well, you know, I guess we don't have strong Christians because most, most churches don't disciple their people. And if they do, their discipleship isn't biblical. Uh, it's a program, uh, you know, it's just people going through the course, but the course doesn't go through them. It's not spiritual life, and, and it's knowledge and, and many other things. And we're not trying to be critical here. It's, it's just we, we have churches with weak Christians that cannot possibly fulfill the mission. And that, that it was the issue. You know, I, I think of, of 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 where Paul says, but if I tarry long, speaking to Timothy, of course, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, this is a strong church. <laughs> this is a biblical church. This is the definition of what a church is. The church of the living God is a church that is a pillar. The, and ground of the truth. The word pillar and ground, they really are they're similar in meaning. And, and basically, the, uh, the general idea is it's, it's what props up. It's what holds up. It's what supports. It's, it's what exalts. And in this case, the context is it's the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God. That's what the, the church is. That's what the church is to be. Now, this is more than the pastor preaching the truth of the Word of God on Sundays and other occasions throughout the week. It's much more than that. Uh, remember, we are the church. So it's, it's living the truth. We as believers, as we leave the doors of our church, we receive that preaching to live it, and we hold the truth up, we exalt it in our lives. That makes us strong Christians. And in fact, that's why we're being discipled, as we heard tonight. Uh, this precious testimony of what God is doing in her life through biblical discipleship. She understands that her life is to be in a reading Bible and that she is to hold up the truth. So that's what, this makes us strong Christians. This makes us, in fact, be strong in the moments that are difficult. When the storm comes, we hold up the truth in our personal lives, in our marriages, in our families, Discipleship is to
to, to transmit, to teach us the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, so that we'll grow up and be strong, no matter what happens to us. Well, that's the first objective. But that's not the final objective. The final objective is to take the believer to the nations of the world. It's to take the, the believer to the nations of the world. You see, the mission is much bigger than ourselves. And this is really important because so much discipleship is focused upon the individual believer. And that's okay to a certain point. And we just got through talking about the importance of being strong. My dad was concerned about the church being weak, made up of weak Christians. That is vital that we mature, we grow up, become that perfect man in Jesus Christ. Live the truth. But we're not the mission. We're part of the mission. The very reason why that we are built up is to participate in the mission. The focus of discipleship must be outward. It can't stop with us. If it stops with us, we'll never be a missionary church. If it stops with us, we'll never fulfill the commandment that Christ has given us that we saw last night to make disciples of all nations. It's just not going to happen. It can't stop with us. The focus of discipleship must be outward. It must be outward. It must be others. It must be to participate in the Great Commission. And by the way, the one that is discipling and the one that is being discipled has to understand this from the get-go. Well, I've said for a long time that the final goal of discipleship, biblical discipleship that is, is going, not knowing. It's not knowing. Now we have to know. We know so we can live the truth and be that church of the living God. Pillars, round, exalting the truth in our individual lives. And that will make our life better. And that will make our marriages better. If we live the truth, that will make our families better, our kids better. But we're not the mission. In the end, it has to do with us, others. It has to do with going. This is really important what we're seeing now. You see, the purpose, the final purpose of biblical discipleship is to lift up our eyes as believers and see what Jesus Christ sees. It's to give us that 2020 spiritual eyesight, that's that 2020 vision a world vision, and see the nations of the world. I like Matthew chapter 9. Uh, don't have to turn there, but you remember when Jesus Christ was preaching there, and he saw the multitude in verse 35, and he, he saw the multitude as, as sheep without a shepherd, and they were dispersed, and, and uh, they were fainting, and, and weak, and, and he saw them. And the Bible teaches us that he had compassion for them. And so now we're understanding a little bit more about discipleship and being conformed to him. That's why we're being conformed to Jesus Christ. So we'll see what he sees. And what he sees is a multitude that needs life in him. And he has compassion for them. And so as we, as we grow in here, we, we begin to see what he's seen. I, re, I remember John 4 when, when uh, we find Jesus Christ... Uh, he, he's there with the Samaritan woman, and he speaks to him, her about the living water, that he is that living water. And, and, uh, and, and we know about that encounter with the Samaritan woman that she returns to her city, and she, she witnesses of what she had lived with uh, Christ and said, hey, he's the Messiah. Come and see him. And so here comes the Samaritans, and, and the disciples are there. They're concerned about food. They're, they're concerned about the meat and eating. And Jesus Christ says in, in verse 35, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Get your eyes off yourself <laughs> and your bellies. Now, that was good Mexican food. I'm not, I, I, hey, it was good. It's a, that's, that's, that's great, a great part of life, the stuff we get to enjoy. But the bottom line, in the end, that's not the big deal. They're coming. They're coming. They want to know. Do you see them? 
and we live in a big city, Bogota, Colombia, 10 million. Beautiful city, 8,500 feet high in the mountains, uh, a lot of people, a lot of traffic. But you know what? <clears throat> the tendency, I see it every day. I mean, the bus is full of people, cars full of people, apartment buildings everywhere full of people. And the tendency is just to live that day after day after day. And you become accustomed. It's just people. <laughs> they have an eternal destiny. They have an eternal destiny. I've heard. They've not heard. That should concern me. Now, what are you seeing tonight? Colossians 3, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. I love this text because it speaks of what we spoke of last night. Uh, Romans chapter 6, if ye then be risen with Christ. That speaks of our union with Christ upon salvation being, we, we die with him, crucified with him buried with him, risen with him. If that's happened in our life, then what does Paul say? Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things on the earth. That's the Lord's will for our lives. This is why he saved us. This is why we have been resurrected with Jesus Christ and have this new life. It's now to focus on his things, the eternal things. The only two eternal things, as you and I know, are his word and the souls of men. The Lord, the Lord has a world vision. We have a limited vision. The more we resemble him, the greater our vision will be. That's discipleship. The more we resemble him, the more we are conformed to him the greater our vision will be. Do you have the nations in your heart tonight? You need to be discipled. Biblically, you need to be discipled to have the nations in your heart. Secondly, we, we must know who is to do the discipling. Who is to do the, the discipling? That's the second thing that, that the Lord has, has, has worked on us uh, in Colombia, and um, he has spoken to us about this. And, um, and I've placed here one who is equipped to teach. Now, that's going to make some of you nervous. This is going to get a little sticky. And this is probably the reason why you'll never invite me back. <laughs> but that's okay. I, I'm going to share what God has done in, in Colombia. You follow your leadership on this point. I want to respect that. But our experience as we were discipling, uh, this happened about five, six years ago. Uh, we found, uh, we had every believer discipling someone, and, and, and what we observed, uh, more of the pastoral team in the, in the Mother Church in Bogota, it's a church of around 1,200 today. But as they were discipling, the, the, they noticed, the pastoral team noticed that there were a lot of frustrated people in the discipleship process. And it had to do with the teachers, they were frustrated. Um, it wasn't uh, enjoyable for them to do the discipling. Uh, that may sound strange, but it was very difficult for them. It wasn't natural for, for them. They struggled with it, and uh, there wasn't a lot of joy in it, nor on the part of the one that was receiving it. They were also frustrated, the new believers, in this discipleship relationship. And as a result of that happening, uh, the pastoral team was frustrated. And I don't attend their meetings on Mondays. Every, every Monday they meet together, the pastors of the church. But when I am in town, I, Rudy has asked me to go. He's a senior pastor. And so I was there, and I listened to the frustration. And I, made, I asked the question. I said, okay, well, let me ask you something. Why do, why do we have all believers discipling someone? And they, it, it was silent for a long time. And then they said, well, that, that's what we, we thought that was the way it, supposed, it was supposed to be. That's why we do it. And I said, well, why don't we just spend a couple of weeks in the Word of God and, and let's study this out and let's be in prayer and, and God will guide us through this. And he did. And our conclusion, this is for us, the Bible says in, of Columbia, our conclusion was that um, Ephesians 4.12, we know that we're to be perfected uh, by our pastors, in fact, for the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ. 
And our conclusion was that everyone is to, uh, uh, to edify the body of Christ as a believer, but not everyone is to teach the discipleship lessons. That's what we saw in the scripture. And we saw that some had the gift to teach. Romans chapter 12, if you look there with me, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. Paul says, for as many, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching. And then we notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 29, uh, questions were asked like, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? And of course the answer is no. We also saw in James chapter 3 and verse 1, I think Sam referred to this the other day, this same text, where it teaches us, it warns us against making many masters, and that refers to teachers. And the text explains why. Uh, there is a greater condemnation, at least that's the way it says in Spanish, that the, the, we are judged more severely when we uh, accept that responsibility and when we teach others, we are responsible for our teaching. Teaching the Word of God, the truths of the Word of God, is a very serious responsibility. It is a very serious service in the work of the ministry. And in fact, we're talking about making disciples for Jesus Christ. This is not just any issue that we're dealing with. We're talking about the heart of the Great Commission. And so the Lord began to work on our hearts. We prayed and we made an adjustment. And so today uh, we made that adjustment of reducing our team of teachers to the pastors. That's Ephesians 4 verse 11. The pastors, they're the pastors and teachers. Of course, they need to be a part in this perfecting, in the discipleship process. And also, those believers that have the gift of teaching or are apt to teach. We find apt to teach in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. We'll not look it up. You can mark the text down. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. It speaks of those that are skilled to teach. They don't necessarily have the gift of teaching, but they are capable of communicating the Word of God to new believers, to other believers. Now, this change, this change has transformed our discipleship ministry. Transformed it. Now, of course, we have less teachers, but more fruit that remains. That sounds a little bit strange, but that's what we're living in Columbia today. Less teachers, but more fruit that remains. The percentage of casualties in the discipleship process are less, is less. The amount of true disciples that are being true disciples are, are, are being the amount of true disciples that are being made is greater. So this is the way that the Lord has led us. Now uh, some are already struggling with this, and that's fine. You you get your nails in the book as pastors and leaders. You're the ones that that are leading your congregations, and you come to the conclusion yourself before God, being in His Word. Pray about it. Let God guide you. And those that are believers. Members of churches, you submit to that leadership. If your pastor sees that God has his hand on having all the believers teach others, that's what you do. You submit to that. The important thing is that disciples are being made. Now, for us, this is the adjustment, one of the adjustments that God has made. And it has been of God, and we've seen his hand upon this change. We're seeing fruit that remains more than ever before in the history of the ministry in Columbia. By God's grace, I say that. Now, it's one who is living what he's teaching. That is very important. It's more than being skilled to teach or gifted to teach. It's living what we're teaching. It's more than being equipped to teach, having that gift. Because this isn't an issue of knowledge. We already mentioned this. This is transmitting life spiritual life from one heart to another. If it's not happening, happening here, it can't be reproduced over there. It has to begin here. 
And it's having that authority to teach by living what we're teaching. It's teaching with conviction because it's a reality in our life. It's pure life that's being transmitted here. Well, you know, I think of the Apostle Paul. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians, a wonderful example of this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And verse 5, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. The last phrase, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. You knew our lives. Also in, in chapter 2 and verse 10, notice what it says. Paul says, ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you the belief. And notice in verse 6 of chapter 1, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord. That's a powerful statement. Paul and other Passages speaks of him imitating Christ and suggesting that the believers should follow him as he was following Christ. He lived the gospel of Jesus Christ. He lived the word of God before their lives and they followed him. That's a, this is important because a lot of times I hear, we don't, I don't follow men. No, no, no. Biblically, we follow men if they're following Christ. You can follow your pastor because he's Christ-like. He's, he's detrás de Cristo. He's behind Christ, following in his, his footsteps. That's where he's headed. Follow him. Submit to him. Let him perfect your life. Let your discipler perfect because they are living out the truths of the word of God. They're living Christ before your eyes. That's what gives them authority to come to you and edify you in Jesus Christ. This is really, really important. Well, this was the success of the Apostle Paul, without a doubt. It's reproducing who we are in Christ. It's more than being equipped to teach. It's transmitting life as we've seen. It's reproducing who we are in Christ. Teachers always reproduce who they are, for the good or the bad. This is also a very critical aspect of discipleship because our teachers are going to reproduce who they are. Now, if they're carnal in the Lord... That's what they're going to reproduce. If they're non-committed, that's what they're going to reproduce. If, um, if they walk with the Lord Jesus Christ as a true disciple, that's what they're going to reproduce. So pastors, missionaries that are here now, it, it, the question is, what kind of disciples in the end do you want to have? Well, whatever you want to have, then select the teachers because the kind of teachers that you choose to do the discipling, that's what you're going to have reproduced out from there. It's very simple. Check your teachers out. That's what's going to be reproduced in your congregation. Now, hey, we're not looking for perfection. I'm far from perfect. We're not looking for, 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 for perfection. We're looking for a perfecting someone that was willing to be perfected in the Lord Jesus Christ in his word to be able to be a blessing to someone else and transmit that spiritual life that they have in the life of someone else. That's what this is about. It's about a perfecting that is continual in, in our lives. If that's happening in the life of your teacher, that's what you're going to have in the life of the one that he or she is teaching. Thirdly, we must know who we are to disciple. We must know who we are to decide. Another thing that the Lord has taught us is teaching us more and more is the importance of who are the ones we're going to invest our lives in. Well, obviously, those who want to become disciples of Jesus Christ. The, the Lord desires that all believers follow him. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28, uh, it, it teaches us, in fact, Paul says, whom we preach speaking of Christ, warning every man 
and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man, every man, perfect in Christ Jesus. This is God's will. You don't have to pray about discipleship, if you should be disciple or not. <laughs> to become that perfect man, this is the, the instrument, if that's the word I'm thinking in Spanish, but if that's the, the instrument through discipleship, you, become that, you can become that perfect man, you submit to it. Well, the Lord wants us to follow Him. He wants us to be His disciples. He wants us to be discipled. We as pastors and missionaries, we want all of our believers to do this. But the issue is, does the believer want to follow him? That's the issue. Does, is the believer willing to deny him or herself and, and take up their cross and follow the Lord in obedience? That's what the issue is. Is the believer desiring to be faithful, one of those faithful men that we find in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2? Is that his or her desire? You know, I love Acts chapter 9 and verse 6 because upon salvation, notice what the Apostle Paul said. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, underline this one in your Bible, what wilt thou have me to do? What wilt thou have me to do from the moment of salvation? If we want to know why he was so successful, there it is. There it is. That's who we're to disciple. Is someone that wants to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is someone that will say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Through discipleship, they teach, teach us this. Okay, that's, that's God's will for my life. That's what I'll do. Uh, now the next time that I meet with my discipler, oh, this is what I've learned. This is what I'll do. We talked about it last night. A long life of obedience. Well, I've said many, many times, many want to be discipled but few want to be disciples of Christ. And you know, it, we're discipleship churches. So this, we, we face this in Columbia. I, I mean, our churches disciple the new believer. That's what we do. So when people get saved, they come into our congregations, our churches. That's what you do. <laughs> so we have a lot of people that want to be discipled. But our experience is very few want to be a disciple of Christ. Those are two different things. Discipleship is more than just going through the course. The course has to go through us so that we can be a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we struggle with this, what we're talking about now, because we like the numbers. <laughs> the more, the merrier. Let's get them all in here discipled. That's not, that's not the pattern that we find in, in the New Testament. That's just not there. Now, we'll have the numbers in time, and we'll talk about this tomorrow. We'll have the numbers in time. This will be multiplied out. <laughs> but the minority are going to really want to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, we disciple those who want to become disciples of Christ, and we disciple those who want to participate in his mission. You see, we're forming an army of soldiers to impact the world for Jesus Christ. That's what discipleship is all about. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's read verses 3 and 4. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. The text says to us, Paul is speaking to Timothy, says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. There's a lot here in this text. 
But upon being saved, we are drafted into the Lord's army. Did you know that? We're drafted already. It's not like there's a choice there. We're a soldier. That, that, in fact, that's why we're saved. That's why he saved us, is to place us in his army, because there's a mission to accomplish. There's a battle to be fought, and it has to do with the souls of men and women and teenagers and children. But he, the issue here is a good soldier. This is what Paul is communicating to Timothy. This is all about being a good soldier. This is how the mission is going to get accomplished. And he gives three characteristics of what a good soldier is. He tells him, there, there in, in, in verse 3, he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The first aspect is, it's one that pays the price. He, he's willing to pay the price. There will be a price. Secondly, in verse 4, it's one that, that has that eternal focus. He's focused on the eternal things. No man that warth entangled himself with the affairs of this life. He's not all messed up with, you know, the affairs of the business of life, the issues of life. He is focused upon eternal life. The life of others, eternal life of others, the souls of men and women. And the last thing is, he has the right motivation because it says in verse 4 that he has made please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. So there's three aspects. He's willing to pay the price. His focus is right. He's focused upon eternal things, and his motivation is right. He wants to please the Lord. Man, that will make for a good soldier. That's a true disciple of Jesus Christ if I've ever heard of it. So, so Paul is saying to Timothy now, he's already told him, hey, teach these faithful men, you know, what I've taught you, pass that on, but you also be an example of what a good soldier is. You're going to reproduce yourself in the lives of these faithful men, paying the price, staying on focus, focusing on the eternal things, and make sure your heart's right. It's to please him, it's to honor him, it's to glorify him. Don't forget that, Timothy. We're forming an army of soldiers to impact the world for Jesus Christ. And we form that army with those who desire to follow Christ all the way to the nations. I like what Jesus said to Peter and Andrew in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, where the text says, Jesus says unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I mean, from the onset, Jesus Christ is telling them from the very beginning, if you make the decision to follow me, let me tell you where we're headed. We're headed to the lost world. We're going after the souls of, of the lost men of this world. That's where I'm going to take you. In fact, that's what he'll do in our life when we commit to following him. When we say, Lord, I want to be your disciple and I want to follow you all the way to the end of the nations. He'll do this in our life. That's what he does, it's precisely through biblical discipleship, through his word. Church, we must redeem the time, even in our discipling. Christ was cautious in his selection of this, the disciples. We must be too. It's a privilege to be discipled. We saw that tonight in the testimony of this lady. Precious testimony. She, she gets it. <laughs> what a privilege. This book means everything to her. She's in it for the right reason. She wants to follow Christ and be used of him in this world, saving the lost. Wow. How valuable is that? Well, fourthly, and we'll conclude with this, is that we must know how to disciple. We must know how to disciple. And we disciple, this is something that the Lord has emphasized to us along the way, it's by establishing a clear structure. It's establishing a very clear structure, first of all. Obviously with uh, a specific goal, we'll be talking about that, but when I speak of a clear structure, I'm talking about just like in our educational system, we usually, uh, uh, it started, at least in my day, kindergarten, and, and then first grade, second grade, and I think today they've got kids going to school at two. I started at five. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. But my goodness, I mean, they're trying to, you know, educate the kids from the age of two or whatever 
the deal is. It's the big deal, at least in Colombia, that's what we're facing. And of course, the couples are thrilled with this because now they don't even have to raise their kids. Someone else is raising them for them. Uh, from the time that they're one or two, they've got them in a, a daycare and then the, the preschool and all, all of these things. It's very, very, I shouldn't get off, that's a tangent, but my goodness, what's going on? But anyway, okay, there's a structure, there's, and so kindergarten, first grade, second grade, if you, if, you, if you do well in first grade, then you go to second, third, and, and then you go 12 years, I think approximately 12 years through, through the system and the structure that's set. I know a lot about this structure. I spent t uh, three uh, years of, uh, greatest years of my life in the 10th grade, so I understand something about the structure. I get it. You've got to pass this one to be able to go to the next one. And that really is an illustration of even what we're trying to communicate here. It's a clear structure. The, the believer knows, okay, this is where I start. If I'm faithful here, then, then I go to this. And if I'm faithful here, living the truths they teach me here, not perfection, a perfecting, then I go here. Faithful. Taking the believer from the cradle to the field. This is why the structure is placed. This is the purpose of the structure. It is taking the believer from the cradle to the field, giving that new baby in Christ the milk of the Word, as we see in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. Get, then giving them the meat of the Word, and then uh, teaching them to, to feed themselves. I have seen babies in Colombia, well, children, five and six, seven, James? Their mom's still feeding them with a spoon. I don't get it, but anyway. Okay, so, so the, we teach them to feed themselves. That's discipleship. And then we teach them, in fact, to feed others. And so that's, that's the process. We take them from new birth to a world vision. Now, I'm going to show you our structure in Columbia. I think uh, Sam did this in the morning session. Also, um, uh, I think uh, someone else did. I think, in fact, Jeff did, Jeff Bartell. Now, just I, I show this, and I'm going to go through it quickly, but this is what God has given us. This is our structure. This is our believers from new birth. They start at new birth. Once they make their profession of faith in Jesus Christ, they enter, enter into what we refer to as induction. Uh, the induction course is about seven weeks, not long, but there's different things that are taught there, church, the Word of God, different things, but the main, two main things, the goals of induction is to, to confirm their salvation and to teach them concerning baptism. At the end of the seven weeks, uh, they make the decision concerning baptism, and they are baptized or not. Most of our, the individuals that go through it are baptized. That's what we've lived till today. But once they're baptized, then we talk about discipleship. That's level one. Induction is not discipleship. Level one is discipleship. We see that in the Great Commission. First of all, when we, when we talk about uh, making disciples, the very first thing after salvation is baptism. Uh, that is an important step. We saw it last night before we began the discipleship process. The baptism proves before the Lord and the church that they desire to follow the Lord, to be obedient unto Him. They have to be, be obedient in the basics, first of all. So once they're baptized, then we talk to them about discipleship. It's offered to them. We teach them, there's 13 lessons, they were written by a Latin, uh, with the context that we face in Colombia, understanding they're coming out of the Catholicism and going into Christianity, and once, if they're faithful there, then, then they go into evangelism, we want to get their focus outward, outward, you're being discipled to reach others, to be a blessing to others, and then they go through the 16 lessons, those are the lessons that many of us have used in many churches, uh, that we've used for many years, the same lessons. In fact, the 13 lessons and the 16 lessons, it basically speaks of the same thing. The 13 lessons, it's more milk, and the 16's got a little bit more meat on it. That's worked for us with the believers, the new believers in Columbia. We stop after 16 lessons, and we tell our people, live this out. You've received a lot. <laughs> and and, and uh, we don't rush through discipleship, but, you know, Two years into it, stop, live this out. And the reason why we do that is we don't want our, our believers on spiritual uh, welfare. 
uh, no, as far as the Word of God is speaking, just, you know, handed it to him and, and, and feeding them and what we talked about feeding before, giving it to them. And, 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 and so typically what happens is, okay, I'm done with this. Give me more. Okay, got this done. Now give me more, Pastor. Now what do you have for me? Give me this. So we have our people on, 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 on spiritual welfare and, and they're always wanting, what are you going to give me now? No, no, wait a minute. You, you get in the word. Okay, you live out what you've received. Okay. Uh, begin to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you're saved. That's why we're discipling you. Live this out, and then we'll, we'll pick up discipleship in, in, in a while. In fact, the next step for us is the membership class. We're not willing. This, this, this first part takes about two years, and, and so, so now we want a commitment on their part uh, before we continue, continue the discipleship process. We want them to say, hey, you know what, I believe in, in what your doctrine, your doctrine here, I believe in that doctrine, I believe in your philosophy of ministry, I, I believe in the direction of this ministry, Columbia for Christ, I want to be part of that, I will submit to my, my leadership for them to perfect me, I want to be a part of this, I want, to, I want to give to this with my life, with my monies, and by the way, we'll talk about this tomorrow night, but it's totally financed. All the ministries in Columbia, they pay for it all because this is very important to us that it's their ministry, their church. And so the, the membership class, they commit to being a part of this church. Then we go through a level two, and then with their faithful through level two, uh, those that have a call in their life, we deal with this differently than, than I think you do, but those that have a call of God on their life as pastor or missionary, those are, are individuals are invited to the leadership school, and uh, those are the ones that go through this four-year process. Ten years, uh, usually it takes us to take the person from the cradle to the field. Ten years. That's the structure that God has given to us. Now, it's testing the believer all along the way. Every single level, from level to level, Tightening the screw, like we say in Spanish. <laughs> Apretando la tuerca. I don't know how many people speak Spanish, but anyway, that's what, what we say. Apretando la tuerca. Just tightening the screw more and more. Along the way, more expectation. More, there's more demand. There's more challenging. Tightening the screw. Because this is the filter that God has given to us to determine Who's on our missionary team? <laughs> We're forming that army of soldiers to get to the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to disciple those who believe upon him. Now, this is heavy, but I'm going I'm to say it anyway. I believe it with all my heart. The final goal is for the believer to be willing to die for this cause. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 Let's go there. We're concluding. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus Christ said, Be ye, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. You might want to underline that word. Unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, those that study your Bible, you know that that word witness refers to martyrs. It refers to those that are willing to give their life for this cause of taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. In fact, the disciples, those first disciples, went into it expecting to die for the cause. And most of them did become martyrs. Now, this is really important because we talked about it before in the very beginning tonight that we're in a very comfortable society, and that goes, everything, that goes completely against Christianity. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a good life and to have nice things. We have nice things in Colombia. We eat well. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not what I'm saying tonight. But in our hearts... There's, there's got to be this mission and this cause. And there has to be a commitment to fulfill it, even unto death. I, I, told, I told the Lord from the beginning, when we went to Columbia, 
under all of the circumstances that were happening in Colombia with Pablo Escobar and the, the drug mafia, and, and yeah, I mean, we went in the, the, the it was hot. The 1980s, it was hot. And the bombs were going off in Medellin and Bogota. And, and, and you know, the truth is, a lot of people from the states were calling us and said, hey, get out of there. We were just starting the church, and I was telling the people, you know, yeah, it's tough. We see death everywhere, and we don't know what's going to happen to us. I mean, living here, any of us, we, we don't know, but we have to trust God. If I would have pulled out, telling the believers, you know, now you have Christ, trusting for what's going on. If I would have pulled out, Saying, hey, good luck, you guys. I'm out of here. You know, you have faith in the Lord, but I'm out of here. I, God never, he didn't give me peace to do that. And I thank God that he, I didn't. They saw that we were willing literally to die, if that's what it meant, to continue there in Colombia and minister for him and disciple them and win more people to Jesus Christ. I'm nobody. Don't misunderstand. By God's grace, I'm sharing this with you that I live that out. By God's grace, I know that. But the point is, we need believers that are willing to die for this cause, no matter what the circumstances may be. We have a family in Venezuela right now. You need to pray for them. Their last name is Beltran. And they're going through some very rough times right now, but they're not pulling out because they've got a group of 80 believers, a church that's being formed, and they have to make a decision. Are we going to be an example for these new believers? and stick with the stuff and stay here just as they're here and trust God for what we're living. There's no food. There's no medicine. They were seven days, I think ten days, without electricity. Do you know what the implications of that is? People in hospitals dying. There's no electricity. When we lower the bar, when we lower the bar, we lower our potential to get the nations. When we make disciples, what are our expectations? What kind of disciples are we looking for? I don't know where you're at on this, but where we're at, we're taking our people from the cradle to the field, and if it means dying to accomplish the task, so be it. And rest in that structure Establish it and then rest in it. Understanding that the discipleship works. It's of the Lord, so it works. <laughs> if we work it biblically, it works. We don't have to make it happen. He will make it happen. People ask me, okay, wait a minute. Hey, do you believe that our congregation, we're small in their case. Do you believe that we really could get to the nations of the world from here? Why not? It, this works. We'll talk about this tomorrow night, but it multiplies itself. God does it. Satan can't even stop it. <laughs> That's one thing he can't stop. That's why he doesn't want us to make disciples, because he can't stop that. So we rest in the structure. We understand that this works. We understand that Christ that Christ, through discipleship, He will take us to the nations. Remember, in Bogota, Colombia, it was one family, a medical doctor and his kids, his wife and children. That's how we started every Saturday night, taking the Word of God to them, uh, leading them to Christ in time as they understood the Gospel. This was a Catholic family. That was the first family that God gave to us. This started with one family. Christ will do it. He will do it. If we'll just let Him. If we'll obey Him, His commandment, do it the way that He told us to do, always with Him at our side, remembering our confidence and our trust and our faith is in Him. And He will do it. I testify to that. I am nobody. I cannot. Hey, I don't, I, 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 
but I look at what has happened in Colombia, my, my response is, my goodness, there's no way that I, humanly speaking, could take credit for it. It's too supernatural. <laughs> Nor should I. May he receive all the glory. But I am a witness to the fact that he will do it. He's done it. He wants to do it through you, through your local church. Father, we thank you for, we thank you for what you have shown us tonight. It's not been necessarily easy. But Lord, I, I pray that you will use your word because that's what's important. It's your word. It's what you tell us to do. It's what you tell us to believe. And Lord, I, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your mission and your power to fulfill it because that's what you give to us. And you promised this, us this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, giving us your Holy Spirit. In fact, you promised to be by our side. This is the greatest mission of all, and it can be accomplished. You will do it through us, and we'll just allow you to do that. Thank you, Lord, for every single individual that's here, what you, for what you've done in, in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to participate in this wonderful conference, speaking about the most important mission possible in the entire universe. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of this. In Jesus' name I pray.